So you should know what is so outstanding about this election. It's not just that Trump won. What is so outstanding about this is that usually when there's good versus evil, usually evil wins. If you'll notice throughout history, evil or incompetence or mediocrity almost always wins over good competence, you know, uh, and, and so on, you know. Why is that? I'm just saying that's, that's what it is. That's because the, the Bria is, is a terrible Bria and there's a lot of ancient going on, a lot of punishments going on, you know. So what is so remarkable about this is that not only good won over evil, you know, but good won over evil as a nest nigla, as an open miracle, and as a complete victory, because the present United States, right, is a complete victory over all the other, um, um, <coughs> over, over Obama, <coughs> the incompetence of Obama. That's what's so unusual about this, because you don't find good uh, winning over evil, like I said. But not only did that happen, but it wasn't in a small way, it was in a major way. Because to be President of the United States and to and be a good person, you know, to really want to help Americans and so on, uh, um, is phenomenal. You know, talking about the President want to help, it's incredible. So I think you should focus on that. The Nest Nigla is not just that Trump won. That's one idea, but the real focus is that good uh, destroyed evil. That's the realness, and that hardly ever happens, you know. So that's an important thing to know. Um, second thing which I find interesting is that there seem to be two dates, especially in the last hundred years, that are very significant. <clears throat> uh, one of them is November 9th. And another of them is Yud Al of Cheshvan, <coughs> the 11th day of Cheshvan. Um, we know what Yud Al of Cheshvan is, it's of course the Yod site of Rochel. I once mentioned uh, that the real concept of Yud Al of Cheshvan um, is the day she died, okay? And on that day, the reason why she died at that time, and in that spot where she's buried, right, Kevin Rochel, uh, is that uh, Yaakov Avinu saw prophetically, that the Jews, after their exile by Nebuchadnezzar, they would go past that spot and they would pray at her grave and she would be able to rescue them. With her, she offered a claim to God, to Rabbanu Shalom, that was successful without going into the whole claim. And therefore, Yudal Cheshvan, when she died, uh, is her Yotzeit, and that's considered a tremendous day for prayer. Very important idea. Now, so that's one idea. Second idea is that the marble, which was on the 18th day of Cheshvan, really should have been on the 11th day of Cheshvan. That's when the marble, really the flood of Noyach, should have come down on the 11th day of Cheshvan. Okay. And what, what the, but it came down on the 18th because God waited because of the seven days of mourning for Mitzvah So he waited seven days. But really, if not for his death of Mr. Shelach, the flood would have come down on the 11th day of Cheshvan. You know, just subtract 7 from 18, <coughs> and 11. Mr. Shelach or Chanach? Mr. Shelach. Not Chanach. Chanach is much earlier. Chanach was his day after 365 days. Yeah, I know, but that's earlier. 
No, no, no. That's a, that's something else. You're mixing up two things. So because of the the shiva of Mr. Shalach, so God waited to do the marble seven days, which comes out the 18th day of Cheshvan. The reason why that is significant because the eight, the 17th, the 11th day of Cheshvan, um, without going into the whole thing, is a day of the Orishan, the Messianic light. That's really what it was supposed to be. And water, it's, it's a, because mankind sinned, so the, the Orishan, the Messianic light, was turned into a physical analog, which is water. So instead of being uh, immersed in that light, they became immersed in the flood. It's really what it is. Ramchal says this. Um, so therefore you see that the 11th day of Cheshvan is a day of the Orishan. It's a messianic day, messianic light. Uh, so that, that day is a very powerful day, uh, as I mentioned, because of, that's the time Jews uh, prayed at Rochel's grave, and she was able to get them out of exile after 70 years. That's what she succeeded. They were only exiled 70 years by Nebuchadnezzar and so on, and because of her prayer, or however she interceded in the heavenly court, she got them out after 70 years. Um, so that's Rachel. And the second thing is the marble itself, which preceded that, of course, is the day that the Orishan, the Messianic light, should have appeared, but it didn't. Instead, the physical analog of that appeared as water, and it killed everybody as opposed to giving everybody, you know, like an eternal life and so on. Ramchal speaks about that and so on. Most people don't realize what, uh, what uh, the marble is. Uh, but in any case, uh, it happened again on Yudalov, or it should have happened on Yudalov. It was delayed till Yudches because of the death of Mr. Shalach, the Sitchiva. Okay, so we got that. Now, if you keep going, so Yudalov Cheshman is a very significant day uh, in the history of uh, the Jewish people and so on, you know. Now, November 9th also has its interesting ideas. Well, let me just continue with Yudalov and so on, you know. Um, World War II, which was, uh, which was, of course, terrible for the world and certainly terrible for the Jews, okay? The, the victory of the Nazis in Machshamam ceased with a battle that took place. It was the Battle of El Alamein. El Alamein is in Egypt. And the battle, uh, Rommel was uh, the African Corps. He was the head of the, the African uh, segment of the Nazi army, Wehrmacht. And he was going to attack El Amein. And, um, uh, El, uh, he, he, and there was a battle of El Amein, which is in Egypt, by the way. And then from there, he was going to go to Eretz Israel, kill all the Jews, and that's what he said. Like he said, you know, breakfast in El Amein. Uh, lunch in Tel Aviv, and then dinner back in El Alamein. If we just go right to Israel and just kill everybody, and forget, without getting what the Jews were concerned, it was obviously a, it was a nightmare. Uh, but instead of winning that battle, he lost. Rommel lost, and the main reason why he lost is because he wasn't there. He went back to Germany for whatever reason it's on. And therefore Montgomery, who was the head of the British army, he won El Alamein. The interesting thing about that battle is that that battle was the, after that battle, the Germans never won a major battle. It was over. It was all downhill after uh, the Battle of El Alamein. Very significant. It's the, mids, it's the midpoint of the, of the, whole, of the, the uh, World War II, the Holocaust. And after that battle, they never won a victory again. It was on the way down. Interesting. So historians consider that 
the turning point. When was the Battle of El Alamein? It was October 22nd, 1942. Okay? What, what Hebrew date was that? Yural of Cheshvan. Interesting. So, and, and Germany basically is Amalek. And who fights Amalek? B'nai Rochel. Moshe Rabbi, uh, um, uh, as it says, you know, Amalek is a grandson of Esau, and um, um, as it says, Beisakov Leish, Beisakov Yaakov is for the fire, Yosef is Lehovo, he's the flame of the fire, and they will reduce Esau to being stubble, straw. So therefore, uh, Amalek, which is really what Germany is, without getting into the whole thing, they ended or they ceased to be victorious on Yud Aleph Cheshvan. Amazing. You think about that. On the Yod side of Rachel. You see? The next important date of Yud Aleph Cheshvan, I mean, just skipping around, but, uh, you know, is I think on October 18th, started the Nuremberg trials, which is the trials in 1946, I think, the real trials of the Nazis. That's when, they, that's when justice caught up to them and bam, began. October 18th, 1946 was Yud Aleph Interesting. You know? Are these accidents? No. Because the, the times that are masugal, they're appropriate, propitious, for real events to occur. You see. The next thing of Yud Aleph which is very interesting, was on Yud Aleph, uh, not, uh, yeah, Yud Aleph was Thursday, 1989, which was Yud Aleph Cheshvan. What happened then? The Berlin Wall collapsed. What's the significance of that? Remember, the Berlin Wall collapsing is the beginning of the end of communism. It's really what it is. Because when the wall collapsed, that was the end of East Berlin, you know, and uh, East Berlin, and that's the beginning of the unraveling of communism, which is the worst part of Esau, if you remember what I said, worst part of Edom. So the beginning of the collapse of Edom, Esau, right, which, what, which has the characteristic of Esau, which I had mentioned, that Esau has three characteristics, right? Uh, Gaiva, arrogance, taiva, pleasure, and mirma, which is fraud, uh, dishonesty, uh, so, and Russia represents the arrogance of Esau, Europe is the fraud of Esau, the, dis, the, the deception and the dishonesty, and America is the taiva, which is really the softest part of Esau, as we know. So the dissolution of Esau began on Yulav Cheshvan, 1989, right? Uh, began at that time, which is astounding. And the last idea of Yulav, uh, not Yulav Cheshvan, well, let me go back. Now let's take a look at November 9th. Which is also very interesting. November 9th, 1938 was Kristallnacht. That's the beginning of the rise of the Nazis and the destruction of the Jews. November 9th, you know, and so on, you know. However, what's interesting is that the, the, the Berlin Wall collapsed, I said, on Yudal of Cheshvan, right? But what's the English date? November 9th. November 9th, 1989 was Yudal of Cheshvan, right? And that was the beginning of the destruction of communism and Esau, the opposite of what happened in Kristallnacht. And the last thing I want to say is Trump, when was the election? When was he victorious? Wednesday, November 9th. There you are. It's interesting, and uh, Trump's victory is the, is the end of the Rashaba Esau, 
evil part of Esau, which I feel is represented by Hillary, and that's the beginning of the undoing of the tahara, the, the what do you call it, the, the purification, uh, the transformation of Esau. As I said before, from Ya'aveid to Ya'avoid, he will persecute the Jews to he will serve the Jews and so on, you know. And also it's the beginning of a total transformation of Esau to be good and, and not to be evil. So these two dates are very interesting in terms of how they relate and how they connect to Esau and, and, and the, the nations of the world, especially in the last hundred years and so on. November 9th, only one event happened? What was that? November 9th, only one event happened? Which, well, Crystal Knock was right. one, the Berlin Wall collapsed on November 9th, okay. and Donald Trump won on November 9th. Oh. And every time it's in the other session? No, no. no. Um, this year, Wednesday was uh, November 9th, and Shabbos was Yur Al of Khajur. So, you know? why should a Goyesh have Shabbos? Why should a what? Well, why should a Goyesh have Shabbos? I don't see what you're saying. But why should a, 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 a secular date uh, have a significance? It's a good question. I'm just I'm just pointing out that uh, you know November 9th is uh, uh, seems to be significant and reoccurring. Uh, reoccurring it. Although why November 9th? I don't know. That I, that I don't know why. You know. You know. Um, I have to say also that my birthday is November 9th, <laughs> which happened to be Yudal of Cheshvan. <laughs> oh, wow. That's my birthday. Yudal of Cheshvan, and it was November 9th that year. That's so I don't know if that's significant or not. But, uh... What? What was that? It's 9-11 on 11-9, which is... 9-11? 9-11, yeah. You're Yud Hey, you missed it by one day. I'm sorry. Cheshvan is 11-11. Cheshvan is 11-11, yeah. Anyway. I like to think it was significant, but, you know, who knows. But, but outside of that, I'm just saying that these two dates seem to be important dates when major events happen, especially when it concerns uh, the Jews and, and the nations that want to afflict them. It's interesting. I thought you'd be interested in that. One more thing I'd like to say, which is interesting, and that is that uh, many times if you look at a name, the name itself represents something. It's interesting. For instance, um, why were the Jews in Egypt? What was the main reason? Because they spoke Lashon Hara. Chazal say that. Uh, Rashi says that in the beginning of Shemois. You know, Moshe Rabbeinu wondered why are they in Egypt, suffering so terribly. So he said, because now I see that they're gonna they speak Lashon Hara without getting into the whole Rashi. It's all right. So, and the name Paroi indicates that because paro is pe-ra, bad mouth. In fact, Pesach, which is the rectification of that, Pesach is pe-soch, the mouth speaks without Lashon Hara, you see? Now, it's many times you find a name actually reflects interesting ideas, you see? Pe-ra, paroi, pesoch, pesach, you know? And that's the concept of Lashon Hara and so on and so forth, you know? So I wanted, to, um, I wanted to say also, last week I had mentioned, I think it was last week, <coughs> a couple of times, that uh, we find it says, Hine yaskal avdi, behold my servant will grow wise. Okay? And, um, and that's uh, the Mashiach, whatever. And then the Medr says, uh, he, uh, v- v- Yoram, and he will grow, uh, v- Niso, and he will grow exceedingly, 
and so on. And I mentioned that that means that the Mashiach will grow to be greater than Avram Avinu. That's the first word of growth. Second is he will grow to be greater than Moshe Rabbeinu. You can imagine what that is. And then the third word of growth, the Govamioid, is he will grow to be greater than the Malachim. Imagine a guy walking around who's bigger than the Malachim. I mean, it's astounding what that means, which I had mentioned previously and so on. You know? So we have Vyoram, Venisa, Vigova. So I just wanted to say something which is very interesting. In fact, it was pointed out to me, which is very interesting, that Trump. Is Torum Peh. Torum Peh, Trump. If you read Trump, it could read, you know, Torum Peh, the mouth will be elevated. And I mentioned to you that, which is very interesting by him, is that he has no mirma. He's truthful. He's got other things, which is part of Asaph, you know, and so on. Uh, but he has, but he's honest. So Torum Peh means the mouth, the honesty. Uh, will be raised. Interesting. And what's also interesting, I mean, don't take it, it's not Chazal, but it's interesting. And if you look at Pence, it's Pe Nis Niso. Pence is Pe Pence Pe Niso. The mouth will be raised. Interesting that they, and, and that's the posse of Yoram Veniso. Anyway, that's cute, that's a cute remnant and so on, you know. But, um, uh, clearly, that that seems to what be going on, and so far he seems to be doing what he wants to do. He's putting a lot of people in, in great posts, you know. We'll see what happens with, and uh, you know, obviously everybody's desperately trying to knock him out, and so on, you know. Okay, that's all about Trump. Though that would be interesting, uh, but I, I feel the dates are very significant. The dates that I mentioned, November 9th, and especially Yud Al Cheshvan, those dates clearly are significant in terms of what happens with the Jewish people, Klai Israel, and the uh, the Klippus, the those nations that seek to destroy them. <coughs> okay, so uh, last week we talked a lot about the Eitzatoyv, you know. <clears throat> the good inclination. And I went very much into what it is, um, why it appears at 13, what's the logic of it, and so on, why it doesn't appear earlier, uh, and um, that it has been reduced from meaning, the concept of uh, that meaning really, the person's search for meaning is, uh, it's not intellect necessarily, but it's certainly meaning, that he wants to know what life is really all about. That's a driver than a shama. So I had mentioned that. There was something I promised to say, but I'm trying to remember what it was. Anybody remember? Yitzhar. It wasn't the Yitzhar, no. Oh, yeah, something with the Yitzhar, yeah. Uh, the Yitzhar, yeah, what's the major strategy of the Yitzhar? That's it, yeah. First, what is the <clears throat> Well, I had mentioned last week, is the physical drives. Mm -hmm. yeah, you know? But the question is, that's not, yeah, that's not a Yitzhar. <coughs> physical drives, like I said, uh, about the Gemara and Yoima. <coughs> You know, they kill the eight Sahara for, uh, uh, you know, for Avodah Zohar, and then they try to kill the eight Sahara, or, you know, they, they try to give it for, for, um, <clears throat> for Arias, but instead what happens, nobody was reproducing. Neymar mentioned chickens, you know, but I'm sure everybody else was not involved anymore, you know. So they, therefore they decided to blind them, and therefore 
that meant that a person doesn't have an, a drive or an urge for uh, rel- uh, immediate family. That's incest. So that's what that did, you know. But uh, so the question is, why is the Yate Sahara? What does it mean that it's a Yate Sahara? That's the case. <clears throat> you know, I mean, phys- you need physical things because you're physical. So if that's caused by the Yate Sahara and so on, so why would that be bad? And I mentioned this because there's something that the Yate Sahara wants, you see. And he does that physically, through the physical urges and, 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 and needs and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. What is the real strategy of the Yate Sahara? What does he really want? What the Eight Sahara wants you to do, and this is the major concept of the Eight Sahara, he wants you to think that you are an <coughs> independent being from God. That's really what it means. You know, it, it, remember, when, you have to understand what this means. Um, the critical thing is what do you think about who you are? What do you think about who God is, the Rabbanu Shlodim? What he wants you to think is the concept of Yesh Eidmavadoi, that even if you believe in God, he wants you to believe that you're somebody else, independent of God in some way. You see? Yeah, you, you need God for certain things, but no, no, you exist independently of God, the Rabbanu Shlodim. That's the critical faculty. Okay? So, and that's the error uh, take a look at Adam Harishim, you see. When, when the Satan, the Nochosh, the snake, <coughs> tried to convince Chava to eat, right? What was the argument he presented? He presented her an argument that you can be like God. Bisim Kelukim, you see. And that was the incentive. Wow, I can be like God? You mean I can free myself from God and do whatever I want? Because Chava, as well as Odom, because she presented that argument to Odom, even though she knew already it was false. Okay, that's, that's why it was a terrible sin. Uh, in many ways, Chava killed Odom, because she knew it was false, but she was afraid that God would give him another wife, Rashi says, and therefore she, she told him the same argument, and of course, he, whatever, he, he listened, and of course, uh, that was it. They realized they were not God and so on. But what the Satan realizes is man desires to be God. He desires to be independent, self-sufficient, you see, where you don't need anybody else. That's what a man wants to believe. But what Judaism says is what? Is Enoid Muvadoy. That besides God, there is nothing else. That he is responsible for every action, everything that occurs other than free will. He is behind it all. That's the essence of what Judaism wants, the concept of Ein Oidmo Vadoi, you see. And what the Sat wants you to believe is Yeshu Oidmo Vadoi, that there is somebody besides God, and that's you. Some people even go further than that, where they, be, where they believe Ein Oidmo Vadi, there's nobody besides me. Those are the megalos, megalomaniacs, and the egocentric guys and so on. The, uh, you know, that, that's real already, that the guy walks around saying, I'm it. There is nobody but me. That's really psychotic thinking. Uh, but it always revolves around or pivots around what do you believe about yourself? Do you believe that you exist independent of God? 
or do you believe that nothing that there is nothing but God which means that you emerge or emanate from him and then fundamentally you are zero it's called which means that God is the only one that is a power or a cause and the second thing is called that God is the only thing that really exists and we exist okay I once explained what that means a long time ago when I started Shion, who is God, that we only exist in many ways in the mind of God. We do not have the same type of existence that He does. He is, really. We do not exist except in His mind, whatever that means, the mind of God and so on. But we don't have a real existence. Uh, that's the great mystery, you know, so how, how's everybody walking around if we don't really exist? But I once gave that Shia, the who is God Shia, <clears throat> but that's what the Sutton wants. He wants you to believe that you are somebody. You see. Now, what does that mean? How does he accomplish that? Because when a person exercises anything, when he does anything, he has a tendency to believe, I did it. What do you mean, I did it? There's no I, really. So, in a, so the concept of I did it is a concept of gaiva. I once said there are four levels of arrogance, if you remember that, Shia. And the first one? first one is when I am it, everything exists for me, period. You know? <clears throat> the second lower form is egocentric, where everybody exists to serve me. The first one is where I am the only thing really, and it's in, a guy figures out how in the world do you exist altogether. You know, because I'm the only one that really is. That's megalomania. You know, the second thing is egocentric, right? Where everybody exists, but they have to serve. But they they exist only to serve me. That's the second level of gaiva. The third level of gaiva is no, you don't exist to serve me. But guess what? I'm superior to you. That's gaiva, but it's not as bad as the first two, right? It's arrogance. It's an arrogance where you think that you are superior to everybody. And that's very common. A lot of people walk around and think they're God's gift to the world, which means that I am superior to you, you see. But of course the whole thing is nonsense. <coughs> okay. But the fourth level of arrogance is much more subtle. And most people don't realize that it is gaiva. It is arrogance, the fourth level. Do you remember what that was? It's incredibly subtle, but it's gaiva nonetheless. And that's where the sultan gets everybody, basically, unless he's an incredible tzaddik. What is it? I am. What? I am. I am. I, I am. Yes, I am. In other words, um, I think that I exist, and it's called um, um, self-complacency. I am, but it's more than I am. What it is is, for instance, let's say I, I want to take a vacation, right? That's fine, sounds okay. Doesn't say that I'm superior to anybody. But what do you mean I want to take a vacation? What you feel about yourself is that I am entitled to a vacation because I want to take a vacation. You see, you know, it's, there's a feeling that I am, I exist, and therefore, I can make my own decisions. I have a will, and I want to take a vacation. You see? That, that's like, what's wrong with that? But the answer is, no, you can't. 
the, the greatest form of, the greatest sadikum. if they want to take a vacation, here's what they'll say, right? I need a vacation to serve God better, right? Because, like, this is a change of pace, and I can relax, and then when I come back, I really can get into the serving God, the avoid, the right? But I don't want to take a vacation because I want to take a vacation. I want to take a vacation because God wants me to take a vacation so I can serve Him better. You see, that's an incredibly high madrego level to reach. <clears throat> that's called self-complacency, where I believe that I am, and therefore I, can, I am entitled to do it, to make decisions, because it's for me. That's not to serve anybody. But the greatest form of Judaism, like Moshe Rabbeinu, you know, uh, these type of people, well, Moshe Rabbeinu is like way up there, you know, but, you know, very great tzaddikim, they feel that whatever they do is only for God's will, because it's what God wants. Not because what I want, it's what He wants, and therefore I will do it. You see, that's a very high level of avodah, you know. So, even if a person doesn't have the first three, almost everybody falls into that, where they want to do it because I'm entitled to do what I want, because I am, you see. Everybody, almost everybody falls into that. And it takes an enormous amount of work not to think that, not to believe that I am entitled to do for me what I want to do. My will also is a will. It also has a place, you see. But really, on the level of sadikim, it's gaiva. It's gaiva. It's, it's an incredible idea that this is gaiva also, you see. I remember there was once a story with the Baba Sali. You heard of the Baba Sali? You know? He was a, a Svadi, incredible tzaddik. I mean, the stories <coughs> they say on him and like the, the stories they say on the Baal Shem Tov, it's just, uh, just it's a good benisim. I mean, a, a, a miracle to him was like nothing. There's a, there are two books on this, you know, on, on the Baba Sali. But they once gave him something to eat, and he was eating it. And after like one, two minutes, he pushed it aside. I think his wife made it for him. He pushed it aside. So I think she asked him, why pushing it aside? You see? So he answered, it tastes too good. What was the problem? Because if it tastes too good, I want to eat this because I want to eat this. He felt there was the zich, as they say in Yiddish. There was the I. Was, I'm no longer eating this because God wants me to eat it. I'm eating it because it's, hey, it tastes very good. I want to eat it. Excuse me. Where'd you get the I from? That means you think you're entitled to eat something because you are. You see? But the Baba Sali was on a level which is incredible. You know, as soon as he felt, well, it tastes very good. And I would love to keep eating it because that's what I want to do. He pushed it aside. You see. It just shows you that even he was capable of self-complacency, but only for 30 seconds. But the avoider is not to feel that. It's to be able to deal with that and push it aside, so to speak. That was the greatness of the Baba Sali, that, look, he was human, you know? And all of a sudden, I mean, I'm sure she made him a great, whatever she made him was great food and all that, you know? So all of a sudden, I want to eat the food. Wait a minute, you, you want to do this because God wants you to eat the food so you can be serve God. 
So he, like, even then it took a, whatever, a minute to feel, but as soon as he felt, hey, it's good, I want to eat it, push to the side. That's a tremendous level of avoidor, you see. But that's the concept of smugness or self-complacency, you see. And that really is the lowest form of gaiva, because it's I involved. You're no longer doing it because of God. You're doing it because I want to do it. So immediately you're, you, you, you're recognizing or you're feeling that there's an I. No good. You see? Any noid movade means there is no I. But that's, an, like I say, it's an incredible <coughs> level of avoidance of serving God. But it's still the concept of gaiva. You see? So therefore, that's what the Satan wants to do. He wants you ultimately to believe that you're somebody and get you to do things because I want it, because of the I. Somebody means independent. Independent of God, yeah. yeah. Because as soon as you say, I want to do something, what you're really saying is, I, there's an I that has, a, that has a right to do something for himself. That's Gaiva. You see, that's what the Satan wants. And therefore... If a, guy, if, if, a, if a person has physical urges and needs, which he does, yes? So the Satan is hoping that you're going to get into those urges and physical needs, right? And then you're going to, therefore, you're going to be enticed by these needs. And you're going to begin doing them because you want to do them, you see. That's what his strategy is. It's not in order to, because if a tzaddik says, you know, I want to eat this because God wants me to eat it. Why? Because then I could serve him better because I'll be healthy. That's fine. Even though the Sutton is providing you with the desire, the appetite, so to speak, right? But what he wants is you to be involved in that where you want and that you will do it because you want to do this. You see? That's the great strategy of the Sutton. Uh, he's, he's a mastermind of psychology in that sense, you know, where he can get you to do things for those, for those reasons and so on, you know. Uh, but th that's what it is, because we have a physical body. <coughs> Everybody got that? It's subtle, but it's true. And that's the greatest strategy of the sudden. He wants to distort your belief, you see. He wants you to exaggerate your, who you are, and in that sense, you will no longer think of Enoid Mavadai, and that's the essential idea <coughs> of Enoid Mavadai. <coughs> you see. I mean, if you really think about it, when you do a mitzvah, you see, okay, let's take a look when you, uh, the concept of a mitzvah, okay? Let's assume a guy, it's uh, 6 a.m., okay? And it's freezing outside, and there's and there's a foot of snow on the ground. Now, do you think he wants to get up and go to a minion? Of course not. You know. So all of a sudden, his alarm clock goes off at six, right? And all of a sudden, here comes this, the battle, right? What's the battle? Right? Should I go to minion, or should I dive in at the castle, which is my bedroom wall, right? Is that what I should do? So that's the first battle of a mitzvah. Should I do the mitzvah or not? But when you really think about it, there's a second level of battle. Should I get up 
and go to Minyan, even though there's a strong incentive not to. Why? Because it is the will of God that I have to listen to. Or should I sleep further? Because I want to sleep. I have a will also. You see? So that's the second level of argument in terms of mitzvah. But then there's a third level. Should I get up and go to Minyan? Because that is the will of God. And God is the only thing that really exists, and therefore my will is merely an illusion. I have to do his will because he's the only thing that exists. You see? Well, that's one side. Should, and, and, and So there on the other side is what? Is no, no. I want to sleep because I also exist and I have a, a right to have a will. You see? And therefore... Besides God, there's me. You see, it's interesting how every single mitzvah, what a mitzvah does is, a mitzvah in many ways, it looks like it's a spoiler. What does that mean? It means it forces you to make a decision. Because you don't really want to do this. And therefore, if you don't want to do it, it's because I don't want to do the act. I have a right to an independent will because I exist independent of God. Or, right, I will do it. Why? Because only because that's the will of God. And God's will is the only thing that really exists because of Enid Mabate. Besides God, there is nothing else. Every mitzvah has that battle. You see? But if I don't exist, how, how is it possible that I can do what I want to do? Well, that's the mystery. You don't exist relative to God, but you do exist relative to everything else. You see? I once said, remember, a guy sitting on the highway, in the middle of the highway, says, what's the problem? Nothing exists anyway, right? He's not going to get killed by a car, right? But the problem is, what? Is that a non-existent guy can be killed by a non-existent car. You know, in, a, in, a, in the same level plane, they, they both exist. And they can wipe each other out, or you can kill the guy, so, you know? Isn't it the chapter? It's not that it doesn't, doesn't exist. He exists because of the grace of a Kaddish Baruch. No, that's motive. No, 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 no. He doesn't exist. It's like Rabbi Chaim Volozhin says, Mamish. Look, I once gave an example. Maybe I should repeat it, you know. How do we even think about this? There's two guys. There's a guy sleeping on a couch. If you remember this example. Remember this example? There's a guy sleeping on the couch, and he's having a dream. And in that dream, there are two guys sitting at a table. Right? And they're drinking coffee uh, on the table, and this is the dream. So one guy says to the other guy in the dream, you know, we don't really exist at all. So the other guy says, well, what are you talking about? We're sitting, talking, we're drinking coffee. He says, no, you don't know what I mean. We exist relative to ourselves, but relative to the guy sleeping on the couch, he is, we ain't. He really exists. We're not, we somehow are a figment of his imagination. And as long as he's sleeping, we're okay. As soon as he wakes up, we, we vanish totally. You see? Because we need him to be dreaming to give us existence. But even when we exist because he's dreaming, it's only a dream, not real. That's the best way to explain. In other words, of course we exist, like the guys in the dream, relative to themselves. But relative to the ones sleeping, they don't have real existence. He does. Now, we don't know what that this means. The one sleeping what? The yes. Well, yeah. God is the one sleeping on the couch. Okay. Yeah. 
even though it says Hine Loi Yonum Loishon Shem Israel. I have a joke around. That, uh, yes, yes, I, I know. I'm just joking around. You know, it says the God that never sleeps and so on. But anyway, um, that's the only way. You, see, you know, we do not understand, and the truth is, we can never understand that. Because the moment you understand that you don't really exist, you cease to exist. We are denied. Why do you think the Torah starts with a base? Because there's only two things that will always be. There's God and the self. If it would have started with Aleph, that means it's only God. There would be no Bria, no creation at all. We do not understand how God does that. How is it possible that I don't really exist? That's what Moshe Rabbeinu said. Show me your glory. What he was really saying is, I don't understand. I know I don't exist. What are we? Zero. Yet I'm sitting here talking to you. You see? How can a non-existent thing talk to God? It's a contradiction in terms. As they say, right? It's called an oxymoron. How can I exist? How can I not exist? And at the same time, talk to you as an independent or a, a, a being that exists. That type of mystery, we can, never, we can never fathom that. Because obviously, as soon as we know that we don't exist, we cease to exist. How could a non-existent thing, which realizes non-existent, right, actually exist and think about it, and so on, you know? But this is the concept of Enoid Mavadoi, which Rabbi Chaim Voloshin says, Enoid Mavadoi Mamash, literally, we do not exist like he does. We have no idea, therefore, who he is because he is and we are not at all. Yet somehow there's a mystery of how we can talk to God, you see. So remember, don't get caught up in this and say, well, if I don't exist, so what do I have to make a living for? Who cares what my wife says, you know? Because <laughs> she doesn't exist either, right? I mean, you can read what? That's another subject. My wife exists more than me, well, she would certainly like to think that way. But anyway, uh, you know, uh, but, but remember, like the guys in the dream, relative to ourselves, we exist. Relative to God, we don't. He is the only thing that exists. But I'm telling you something important. It's not only we emerge from him, we come out of him. Even after the emergence, we don't exist. What does that mean? Uh, you know, what do you mean? mean is it... I'll give you another another conundrum mystery. It says what? Yeah, that's all part of the uh, illusion. We have an illusion that we exist. It's like another thing. It says Vanilo Shanisi. God says about Himself, Vanilo Shanisi. I have never changed. What do you mean? Of course you've changed. There's you before the creation, and there's you after the creation. I mean, you know, maybe not right. I mean, Anilo Shanisi, of course. There's, he's talking to Moshe Rabbeinu. So there's God before he talked to Moshe Rabbeinu, right? And then there's God after he talked to Moshe Rabbeinu. There's some change because there was an activity going on. So you could say he did the activity, so he changed. So what do you mean, Anilo Shanisi? That means on the level of God, he never talked to Moshe Rabbeinu because Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't exist. You, you, know, you got to wrap your head around this, but I'm, I'm just really repeating words which are true, although we do not fathom the mystery. <coughs> That's why. Vanilo Shanisi means that God didn't change because God didn't do anything. 
What do you mean didn't do anything? There's a whole Bria out there. There's a whole creation out there. No. Relative to him, nothing exists. So therefore, nothing exists. We don't understand that. And it will remain a mystery eternally. We cannot fathom. Part of the problem is we don't know what true existence is. We don't really know what that is. You know, I once told you, we have existence, but God is existence. You know, I once told you that, you know, and even that's false. Because existence itself is a created entity. It's a created concept. So the question is, what is he? Unknown. We, we cannot, there are no words to describe him because every word we can describe him itself is a created word. So even the word God exists is created. So then, that's why it says, You want to praise God? Shut up. Nothing. No, that's what it means. What do you mean silence is prayer? Uh, silence is praise. What's that supposed to mean? Because the greatest praise of God is to say nothing because there is nothing you can say at all. But that level is beyond belief. What? Question chance because it's understatement. What is? Anything better than, than understating. Yeah, that's question. Yeah, that's right. Is, is to keep quiet. Is to be quiet. Yeah, that would be, yeah, because the real idea is not because it's an understatement, right? Because it's false. It's a false concept, you know. Any, any word you say is a created word, it's a created concept. People don't realize. They think God created the world, right, with objects and everything. But God created three things in the creation. One is objects. Two, he created concepts. The concept of war. How can I think of war? He created that concept. And if I can think about the concept called war, he created an idea. Ideas are a created entity, you see. So wait a minute. If all the ideas I could talk about him, if they're created, so what would coexist with him that wasn't created? and they would accurately describe him, there are none. Nothing coexists with God. Therefore, even the words or the concept to describe him was created. So they cannot possibly refer to him because he existed before the creation. And you, wait, 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 wait. And that we, that's why it says, V'amiti damyuni, Yema Kodesh, V'eshva. And when my, what the Ramon says, V'amiti damyuni, V'amiti damyuni, who are you going to compare me like, the and I will be compared to that? Uh, in other words, there is no object, there is no thought, there is no concept that you could say, that's who you are. No, nothing. means any choice of any concept cannot refer to the Shalom. We're in the bubble. What? We're in the Yeah. It's almost like, and I use this example, God created a bubble, whatever that is, right? Uh, but as far as he's concerned, that bubble doesn't really exist because he never created the bubble. However, assuming that he did create the bubble, right, then everything that he created is in that bubble. Objects, ideas, and the third thing he created is what's called the transcendental laws of being. He created the conditions of existence itself. For instance, can something exist and not exist at the same instant in time, same place? No. Impossible. Right? Can something be itself and something else at the same time? No, impossible. You see, he created the laws that existence must follow. Uh, but he can violate those laws. And he did. He violated those laws, for instance, by the Oren. By the Oren, right? How do you violate that, right? Because if you measure the width of the Kodesh Kedoshim, 
it, I said, whatever it was, uh, I forgot what it is, what the measurement is, right? Fine. You gotta, let's assume it was uh, 20, 20 amas, right? And then if you looked at the arm, which was in the middle, if you measured from one side of the arm to the wall, it was 5, uh, 10. And then if you measured the other side, it was 10. Excuse me. The whole thing is 20. And from one side of the arm to the wall is 10. And from the other side is 10. Can you tell me where the arm existed? It had to take up at least what? Five, let's say it took up five, right? So it would have been seven and a half and seven and a half and then five, right? No, it's not gravity, it's space. It violated space. In other words, it, it, that's what it means. The Oren ain't a The Oren is not part of the, the measurement. But what does that mean? How can something, how can you measure 20 in one shot and measure, you know, 10 from one, 10 from the other? It doesn't make sense. You see? In other words, how could the own exist and not exist at the same instant in time? Because you can measure from the own to one side and from the own to one side, you know? Uh, so therefore it exists. But yet when you measure the whole thing, it doesn't exist. You see, so the motion could do that. The motion could violate the laws of existence. You understand that? It's called the transcendental laws of being. In other words, we don't even think about that, but if you really think about that, existence itself has laws. And by the way, it's critical because of contradiction. Imagine if something could be and not be at the same time, or imagine if something could be and be something else at the same time. Mm-hmm. So th- there would be no it would be nice. There would be no such thing as contradiction. Because why? Why? Well, why? So so what is contradicting? But they can ex- both exist in simultaneously, excuse me, the whole logic falls, collapses, <clears throat> right? The whole Gemara would collapse because it's all contradictions. Well, how can you say, hey, it's like, you know? And that's a law of being that's, uh, that's um, part of the, the tapestry of the, of the, of the Bria. Did you, did you mention Elu Elu that time? Elu 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 Divla Did you mention that? I didn't remember something. No, I, I, I yeah. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, therefore God created bubble and everything is in that bubble. So we have no idea who God is at all, you see. So this is the concept of so when, when I when when it is said means there's nothing else but him, there is nothing else but him. That's what it means Anila Shunisi. That's a Navu you know. What do you mean I've never changed? Of course you've changed. You know, you did an act which means there's you before the act, and there's you after the act, right? So that's a change, you know? But the answer is no. God never did anything. It means there's an entire creation out there, which is all, the, you know, the universe itself is 13.7 billion light years, which is a measure of distance, right? No, no, God didn't do anything. On his level, there is nothing that ever happened. Th- these mysteries are beyond they are not only beyond our comprehension, they are beyond the comprehension of the greatest malachim. There is nothing in existence that can understand God. Nothing. And it's not because God is infinite, because infinity itself is a created concept. Think about that. It's because we do not, obviously, because every, any idea you ascribe to him, he created that word. We're stuck. We're stuck. We're really stuck. We are really stuck, correct. That's why Bracious begins with a base, because there's always two things. There's God, and then there's the rest of creation, the bubble. That's it. You know, those are the real two things, you know, that are present in this creation. And there's no way, you know, and so on. 
that uh, that we can understand that and so on, you know. So that's why I, I said then, you know, I love these religions that ask, was God male or female, you know? <laughs> Excuse me, male or female? You know, is that what we're up to? Uh, then there's religions that say he's this, he's that, he's a figure. He's like, it's like you know, he's a, he's a man. You know which religion that is, you know? He's a guy, he's a son of God. Excuse me. There's no sons, there's no daughters. You know, goddesses from Greek mythology and all that. No such thing. God isn't... He's an enigmavato. All the concepts are created ideas. How can anybody believe in that nonsense? That God has a son, or he's got a daughter, or he's got an aunt, an uncle, who knows what he's got? Father, mother, sister, brother. You know, it's, this is, you know, and, uh, it's absurd. You know, because they do not understand who God is. The world, in many ways, what you hear now, hardly anybody knows. Hardly anybody knows. Certainly all the religions don't know this. It's absurd, you know, because they've all got different ideas and images of who God is, you know, and so on. But to, to, to declare that God has children or sons or... Yeah, we're called the sons of God, you know, because the concept of an offspring we have in our conscious, so we are the offspring of God relative to ourselves in this world which has the vocabulary called an offspring, you know. But in his world or in his dimension, which is called Atzmusoy, no such thing, you see. So even when they say that, that answers many questions, which I once said, you know, uh, like who caused God? You know, okay, God is the first cause, but who caused them? Because as far as we're concerned, the existence, one of the conditions of existence is that nothing happens by itself. It's always preceded by a cause. Think about that. It's a creative concept. What? It's a creative concept. Yes. So the whole concept of, you know, it's the condition of existence is cause and effect. But he not only created the concept of existence and made it as a phenomenon, <coughs> you know, the concept of existence, you know, but um, the concept of the conditions of that existence is created. One of the conditions is that nothing will happen unless there's a cause that precedes it. It's one of the conditions. But he's not subject to that because that's all in the bubble. He's beyond that. And therefore he was not caused because there's no such thing as a cause in his dimension. That's why you can never think about God in terms of ourselves. And that's what man always does. They always try to drag God down into the bubble. They're always dragging him down. What was that? Yeah, same idea. Yeah, it's a, that's why none of these things apply to God, and that's why all the philosophers and, and the religions they don't know what they're talking about. They don't realize that all of these ideas are created, and they're and 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 they're all trying to apply, apply it to God. You see, they're trying to drag Him down to our level of thinking, and therefore they have questions, but they don't realize that. That's what Anila Shanisi means. I've never changed, huh? You know. Or, uh, you know, or with Moshe Rabbeinu said, we're not doing more. What are we? Zero. <coughs> you know? This is all predicated on the fact that anyway. there's no coexistence with God. We just want to know where, in terms of our Mesora, where do we see that? Where where did that come from? Where did that come from? That idea, this, all this is predicated on the fact that there is no coexistence with God. Correct. Nothing coexists with God. Where did, where did that idea come from? That's a created concept. So, I'm saying, where did we get Oh, from? yeah. Well, th then you begin to go with the be what's called the beginning of logic. You know what I'm saying? You know, that, you know, that I, 
the idea that nothing coexists with God itself is a nivra, is a created concept. I'm saying, where did we get, no, obviously we got it from somewhere, and that's where we're basing all this off of. Yeah, where did we get it from? God created the idea called nothing coexists with God. Those three words, nothing coexists with God, are created ideas which we now apply. Where but, did we learn no, that? He's asking about Mukur. Oh, oh, you mean, oh, you took my source. In history, where did, was it Sinai? Where did, where did Hashem reveal inclusively enough? Well, we it, it says, if, if you think about it, what it says, uh, you know, Ain Elokim Imodi. There's there's shyness there. Ain, um, there's no God beside, Imodi means with me. You know, I mean, or your authorities of das, you have been shown that you may know, right? It doesn't say kamoyu. It doesn't say there's nobody like him. You know, we say mi kamoyu, who is like you, God, right? Fine. That's within on our even within our own understanding of what is. There's nothing like him. But it doesn't say it doesn't. But it says enoid milvadoi. Besides God, there's nothing else. It doesn't say enoid kamoyu. There's nobody like God. There's nobody besides God, you see, which means there is nothing besides Him. It means there's a th- an entity. I mean, our understanding is the uh, concept of an entity, and that applies to Him. Because, but He's not an entity either. There is no word that can describe Him at all. It's uh, you, yeah, it's uh, you can't wrap yourself around this because you really yeah, go crazy. Because we're used to reading the recorded words. So. HaKadosh Baruch decided to tell Avram that he's going to destroy a stone. Yeah. A stone doesn't exist and Avram doesn't exist. So what are they talking about? No, but what is, within the bubble there is a Sadoim. You know, it's within, the, let's call it uh, <coughs> illusionary existence. And as far as we're concerned, look, does this table exist? It's real enough for us. Yeah, it, it does, I mean, right? But to him it doesn't exist. He never even made it. I have never changed. I mean, that statement tells you God has never changed. That means, according to him, he didn't do anything. You know, I... <clears throat> so you, you have to, there's this incredible divide here. There's a being which we... We know, that, we, know we interact with a being. That's true. But even that is a created concept, that we interact with a being. You see... You get the, the, the so the what? The being is created concept. The being. Yes. Existence is a created concept. Think about that. Why? Because it would violate the pasuk. It says, "And who can you compare me to? And I will be compared to that." You're my kodesh, says the Holy One, which means it's separate, right? So you can say, "Wait a minute! I'll tell you what you. I can compare you. I am, and you is. Right? But God said you cannot compare me." Which means you cannot even say I am and you are, so we are compared in terms of existence. But that's false, you see. But then, what is he if he doesn't exist the way we do? We don't know. We don't know alternatives to existence. It's the most basic concept of all: is being existence. You see. But anyway, so therefore, the concept of Enoid Mavado is critical for Judaism. That's really what it is. And the strategy, which is important, the strategy, there's only one thing the Satan wants to do for you, and that's to mislead you. 
into you thinking that you exist independent of him, you think you are entitled to anything you want to do, a will of your own, you see. Uh, and, 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 and that's what he wants. He's not interested if you enjoy steaks. Couldn't care less. What he's interested in is that when you eat the steak, you're eating it because you want to eat the steak. That's all he cares. You don't realize how simple he, what he wants. His goals are very simple. We don't realize that, you know. What's the big deal? Because the whole concept of Judaism is everything about Enya Luvadoy. And that's why. If you, therefore, the whole avoid of man, I should say of Jews, is what? Is to testify Ein Oid Mavadoy. That's all it is. If you testify Ein Oid Mavadoy, you will experience that Ein Oid Mavadoy in the greatest possible way. We have no idea what that is. Where do you see this? Remember the famous Posset? Shema Yisrael, Hashem Lokeinu, Hashem Echod. There you are, Ein Oid And Echod doesn't mean he's one and there's no other God. No, one means he's one and there's nothing else. You see? So, and that's what, so therefore, and, and let me show you something. And Shema, the ayin in Shema is large. And Echod, it's Dalad, right? That's Aid, there you are. Aid, ayin, Dalad, Shema has an ayin at the end, which is large. Echod has a Dalad at the end, which is Dalad, right? And that's Aid, testify. And if you testify that he's the only one, then reverse it. Dalit ayin is da, you will know that. The, the reward of testifying Enid Mavadoi is that you will actually experience to whatever we can that Enid Mavadoi. Without ceasing to exist. What? Without ceasing to exist. That, that means there always has to be the illusion of self. That's why the Beresha starts with the base. There's always two things that will exist. God and the self that it thinks it exists. Funny way of saying it. But the illusion of self. Or self-existence. So yeah. Self-experiencing the ego without losing self. That's the greatest mystery. Yes, well, but it will happen. That's the reward. And in that is the greatest experience of all. I mean, you, you know, we're, we're, we're at the fringe of understanding. We're at the fringe. You, you can't jump over, you and see. How self doesn't lose itself when touching the ego? That we don't believe. Because no, because whatever whatever the boundary is where you think you are will always remain. You see, there, there will always be a boundary. Yeah, that's why every mitzvah is all about enod mavadoi. It's an edus, and that's why we say Shema Yisrael. Right? We have to testify enod mavadoi echod. Not echod means one God and there's no three or fifty. You know that's a superficial understanding. Enod Mavada means there is nothing else. Period. That's called absolute oneness. You see. And that is very important because that now you know what the ultimate strategy of the Sultan is. That's what he wants. You see. He wants you to believe that there are two gods. There's God and you. He wants to have Hashem Acher. Remember we have a Dalit, that's why Dalit is because Acher means other. There's a hero is the Lord, God, the Lord is an other, then there's you and him. You see? There is no Acher. And it's not just you. There's no such thing as other. And even in Kabbalah, 
when the Rebunshim, the concept of Tzimtzum, means the Rebunshim fills everything, whatever that means, only God exists, right? So if that's the case, right, what's the problem here? He cannot create the Bria. Why? Because there's no concept of other. Think about that. So what, so what the Rebunshim did is he created the concept of other, the concept, and therefore the possibility of other. But in order for him to do that, he had to completely wall off who he is. You see? That, that's really what the symptom God contracted himself in Kabbalah is. He created the concept of Zulosoi, other. And once he creates the concept of Zulosoi, which means an other, means it, 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 but that Zulosoi is an illusionary other, whatever it is. But that's what what the what the Kabbalah says the the Eitz Chaim and so on is that he was mitzamsim himself, which means that in the beginning God filled everything, which means it's just God. That's it. Okay. Then what God did is he made a space, which was a, a creation. But that space isn't space; it's the concept of the or the ability to have an other. That's what Simpson did. did. Now that there's an other, and that's called a mokum. A mokum means that there's an other, you see. But in that mokum, there's also God. That's why there is no space. There is only God. But in some way we, which we do not understand, he was able to create a space, which means a place in which the concept of other can be. And then he created others, right? Once you have the other, you can create others. You see? But that's the first thing he created. That was the first thing he created, was the concept of other. means that something else can have an existence, even if it's illusionary. Got it? But I want to tell you something. I'll tell you a chiddush. The truth is, so if I ask you, what's the first thing God made? The concept of other, right? And you understand why. Because he's no, in the Mavada. First, he has to do the concept of Yichud. That's the Before the other. No, no, so no, 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 yeah, no, no. Yichud is oh. the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yichud is the other. That's <coughs> After the other has to be first, first, you have the other, now you can have a concept other called has oneness. Been the yeah. yeah. But I'll tell you something. God created something first, besides other. You know what it is? Oh. Oh, ah, you heard it here, yeah. God created a concept called toiv, good, the best. And he decided that the best kind of existence that he wanted to make is the concept of other. How do we see this? Where do you see this, remember? It says, Vayar is kolasha awesome, bracious. And what was it? Toiv ma'oid. Toiv ma'oid means that was the plan. Right? Think about that. So we learned Toiv Ma'id means it was great, right? <coughs> right? Ma'id, it was great. It means God did, uh, whatever God created was, Toiv Ma'id was very good. But wait a minute. That means what you did conforms to the concept called very good. Yes? But that means the concept of very good had to precede the Bria. Because that was the goal. Yes? So what he really created was a concept of good. And once he kind the concept of good, he decided that in accordance with the concept of good, he would create a zulosoi, other. Interesting. Why? 
And you know what Ma'id is? Same Isis as Adam. Adam, man. Because we resemble the Bria, the whole totality of creation is called an Adam, a man. And therefore we are named after it. That, that concept. But Adam, if you had to define this creation, it would be called Adam, man. So when it says that God created and it was very good, Toiv, what was the, what was, so what's the, the, the plan? Ma'id, Adam. So the first thing that God created was good. God decided that what is good? Adam. You see? But the real idea for that, and I'll just give you one more of you. I mean, if you, just remember to take an aspirin when you get home. The first thing that God did, and that's at Simpson, he had to contract himself, or else nothing could happen, whatever, you know. So he created a concept called toiv, which is good. What did God feel was the best? You know what it was? What is the greatest? What is the best? What is it? I'll tell you. But listen, we're really at the beginning of creation with this. So the first thing God did was create a concept called good. Actually, the first thing he did was create a, was Simpson in a, in a certain sense, you know. Actually, if you really think about, because even, uh, even Toiv is also... The first thing he really created was Zulosoi, that there can be something besides him. Then the first thing he created in Zulosoi is Toiv, right? And then Toiv, the greatest, thing, the greatest thing God can do is what? It's called existence. He created the concept of existence, and from that would come everything. You see? It sounds strange. Well, how can you create existence? Because... God doesn't exist the way we exist. So he had to create existence the way we exist, you see? And that's the greatest good. Now that we exist, now he makes all this stuff that exists. You see? Very subtle. We can continue going in this vein because... We can or we can't? We can. Can. Because you can ask further more, why did... uh, Anything. Well, that's motive. We don't know motive. Well, you created the concept of motive. There's no point to ask what's his motive. Well, you, you have to say that whatever his motive was, it's simultaneous with Zulosoi. Whatever it is. So we don't know why God decided this. Was it Chesed this? and Tov was maybe the same thing in, that, in terms of the motive? No, Chesed is a Nivro. Chesed means to be able to give you everything without being justified for it. There's no condition. I will give you... What's the greatest... Because this gets into a whole... What's the greatest gift? Who? No, no. What's the greatest thing ever made or created? Nothing beats it. You know what it is? To be existence, nothing beats it <laughs> because the alternative is non existence, right? Uh, so, therefore, existence is the greatest toy of all, isn't it? To be, see, we don't realize something. People, you know, we you know, we thank God, but the greatest gift He gave us is that we exist, 
and we exist continuously. Well, you know, you have to have an incredible hakarasa toy for that. That you forget about the type of existence you have. You know, how much money you have in the bank. It's all irrelevant. But the, the mere fact that you are, what a matana, you see. And therefore, existence is the greatest toy of people, all. Being. Who? There are many people who are not happy with their existence because they don't have enough of this or that or that sick or there are troubles. In the yes, there are. Happy. Yeah, yeah, that, that's true. But in the end, if you have to look at it objectively, right? Right? That, that's because the type of existence bothers them. They're poor, they're this, they're that, right? But in the end, the greatest thing that God can do for you is to make you be. Because if you ain't, you ain't. Right? So therefore, if you look at it, right, from the beginning, okay, that somehow God created the concept, or the first thing is the concept called, it's, it, it's un, let's assume, the greatest thing, the, the first thing he would create is a concept called Zulosoi, that, that there can be an other, Right? Then after the fact that there can be an other, the next greatest idea is toiv. Toiv moid, right? And the, 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 what the greatest type of toiv is being, existence. You see? It's the greatest gift. You know? Why, why do you have to look at it like that? Why can't tov be... Because I'm stubborn. No. Why, because I want... Why my, can't tov... My purpose is... Wait, 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 wait. My purpose is not to give a shia. My purpose is to utterly confuse you. <laughs> so when you go home, you know, and your wife going to say, well, how was the Shia? What? I'm not sure you really did. Yeah. You know, well, I, I learned one thing in this Shia, you know. You don't exist. I don't exist. Our kids don't exist. Nothing exists, you know. Anyway, Tov go ahead. Can be a, Tov can be... <laughs> what you say? Tov can be a later creation, and all Tov is coming to do is to... Qualify if this conforms to existence, meaning there's pure. Yeah, but no, no, but, but, but toiv means that's the plan. It's got to be toiv. That's what it means. And God saw. Uh, the question is, toiv exists. No, well, He created the concept kind of, of toiv. Well, He created the concept of toiv, and the that's. Concepts, but before toiv came concepts, and no before concepts came existence. So, well, let's say this: <coughs> the first thing He made was a concept called toiv, best. How, but there's, there's steps before that. Now the question is, what's best? Yeah. What, well, so the step before that is the concept, concept called zulosoi, that there exists an other. What is that other? Best. What is the best? Existence. So, okay, Just so look at those three ideas, zuloso and then existence everything follows. Best. What? Zuloso existence best. No, no, no. Ex zulosoi best existence. But, but, but. Uh, what? Tov is an, ex is, is an existing entity. Correct. So you had to create existence before Tov. I hear what you're saying, yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. But, uh, you know, it, it's true, but Tov existed. No, but you say, you said no, before, no, there's qualify, there's qualify. I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. There's existence that's Ra, and there's existence that's Tov. No, 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 I'm not, no, no, I don't mean no, that kind of. Existence is, is a blanket thing. And no. you can have, after the existence come Tov, I want it this way. No, it, we're creating concepts here. It's not the object. No, but I, I hear what you're saying. It, it, still, it still exists, yeah. <clears throat> All I'm saying is that Tov is a plan. Right. Okay? That plan will lead to existence. But you're saying... Well, in order for toiv to be, you have to existence first. No, but you said, but you know I, I'll take something from you said from those previous shurim. You, you, you were talking about people were saying when you said that 
spoilers, but Om Haba is more existence. Okay, so, you, so people are saying, well, I thought it's greatest, but those are quality of existence. So what I'm trying to say no, is... No, I'm not talking about quality. Okay, I understand, but using it straight up. Existence is a blanket thing. Things exist. Good, bad... Yeah, but what, but, but the, the Hashem said, I want existence to be like Tov. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. Why make existence? Why? Existence. Well, that goes after the motive. That's, we're not, we're, that goes so, so you see, we're, we're, we're stuck in the beginning. Why do you create Tov? No, no, wait, no, no. That, so, that, so the motive and the Tov is simultaneous, whatever that means. Why do you have to say that? Again, why do you have to say that? Motive, I, I tell you what, motive, I tell you one thing. I don't know if there's a motive that we can say this is a motive. It exists with whatever that means. Understood. Look, we are at the boundaries of we at the boundaries of logic. Really, Understood. You know? But the reason why I say that is that existence is a type of plan. He, you know, even though we don't understand because we don't understand alternatives to existence. In okay. this way, you either exist or you don't. There's nothing besides that. So therefore, the fact that he would create existence being as a concept and as a phenomenon, itself based on a plan. You see? Okay. You, you, so what, what, is the, what precedes that, you know what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is that what precedes existence is tov, even though it would seem, so you know what you would what say? What I'm trying to say is that tov is, is, is an outcome of whatever his transcendental motive was before. We understand Tov as, as, as a motive, but really his motive, what, he only created Tov after a No, Tov steps. is not a motive. Tov is, is, the, is the goal. Is the goal, okay. It's not a motive. Based on his motive. So we can have a few <clears throat> steps before we get to Tov. Yeah, but, but we, we are at the beginning of ideas which are Granted. so fundamental Granted. that it's... Um, what I'm trying to do is give you a feel, you see, that you're accepting what we have you know, as automatic. No, these things are part of the plan. Existence itself is part of a plan. There could have been an alternative. We don't know what the alternative, because we don't know what alternatives there are to existence. It's the most basic concept of all, you see. But existence itself is an alternative. It's a nivra. How do I, because it says, meet Damuni. Who are you going to compare me to? Well, I can. I can say, I exist and you exist. But you can't say that. So what do you see is that existence itself, right, is, is part of a plan. Even though we have no concept of what could, what, what could be an alternative, and so on, you see. Uh, we're dealing with ideas which are so subtle, so far removed from us. Um, but in the end, all I'm saying is that <clears throat> when you look at the beginning, there are certain fundamental ideas, you know. There's the idea called Zulosai, uh, other. There's an idea called Toiv, which is the concept of other. And the best kind of Toiv would be existence, even though... Zulosoy has to exist, and Toiv has an existence, you see? I, I, I cannot distinguish between these. They, they, are so, they are so intertwined and... and Unless there's an identicality. What is that? Unless there's an identicality. Identicality. Of what? Of between Toiv, Zulosoy, and existence. And, or, or, you know, it, it would seem that all three popped into existence simultaneously. No, there's, there's a difference here. There, there's That's what it would yeah. seem as that, you know? There's a creation of an entity. There are two different things. A great distinction, I understand very good. The what? There's creation of a concept, yeah. there's creation of an entity. It's possible that concept create, but it's created, but there's no existence yet, because existence, it's not existence, it's existence of the entity that comes later. Yeah, but even a concept has existence. 
Anyway, what I'm trying to do is bring you. Look, we all this all started from Einod Mavadoi, right? And that's the concept of mitzvahs and everything else. And that is what the Sutton, which is a that's the strategy of the Sutton. What I'm just trying to do is bring ideas of what does Einod Mavadoi mean to try to get some kind of a handle on that. Although it's it's completely uh, it's very so it's. So, 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 once you have the Zolaso, Zolaso and existence are simultaneous. They, yeah, that's... It's and so is Tov in the center. It's all simultaneous. Yeah, that's what it would seem. Because it's, it's not as if the Rebunshim has created anything new, per se. When he's Mitzantzen himself, what does he create? He hasn't created anything. It's Mitzantzen himself. It's nothing new. Well, it seems to himself is a concept. Yeah. right? It's a concept, but... <laughs> but, but there's nothing new for So say. which started? What, what, what but in order for Tzimtzum to be what a concept, that means Zulose had to be before Tzimtzum. But that can't be because then he would have... You, you see, we, we, we are, where, we the, are at the, the beginning. <laughs> it, it's very difficult. Each idea is so subtle. You understand? Tzimtzum is a concept or phenomenon. But how could you have a phenomenon if there's no Zulose? So the, obviously, Zulose can't come before Tzimtzum because... You know, then uh, you need you need to be Timson first, and then you can have Zulos. So it causes those things to happen. Yeah, but there's not this. There is. Yeah, okay. The cause itself is part. Oh, of that all, and there's, there's nothing. It's to speak you about. know. This is all. I'm right. just introducing ideas. It's not simple. I'm just introducing ideas in terms of what Enid Mabade means. So Satan doesn't mind us to come to the shore as long as we come because we want to come here. No, it's good. no, that's mm. not why. Oh. You know, no, no, that's not. What, no, he wants you to come. No, no, the Sutton wants you to come to Shir because he wants you to come to Shir because you want to come to the Shir. That's what they just said. But, but the real reason why I come to the Shir is what? What's the real reason why I come come to the Shir? To know about God. Correct. You want to know His will. See, then coming to the Shir. That he minds. That he minds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're not coming to it because it's fascinating. It's exhilarating, it's enthusiastic, it's ecstatic. I mean, it's not, and which has to be true. That's not why you're coming. You're coming because the Bosha wants you to know about him. So we got him. And coming to this year will help you know his will. Satan is stuck, we got him. But he's not stuck, he'll still get you, don't worry about it. <laughs> Never underestimate the Satan. Never. That's the first mistake you make. You're finished. You know, you know where you see that, because it's Rabbi Yechen Koen Gadol. Even 80 years old, the guy still became an apicus. He obviously underestimated the Zotan, even because I'm 80 years old. What's the guy going to do to me now? And he's a Koen Gadol. He knows that Enoch Mavada is, right? I mean, come on, right? I mean, he's the guy that walked into the Kedush HaKadoshim. You know what the Kedush of that place was? And he's still, he an apicus, whatever you can, you know? And so on, you know? Never underestimate your enemy. That's the first rule of war. Never underestimate your enemy. And people lose because they underestimated their enemy. But at least you understand what the strategy is. This is what this guy wants. See? You understand that he's not after you enjoying yourself. He's after what you think about the fact that you're enjoying yourself. What do you believe? That's what he's after.
very subtle. But here there is a Bahira, and we're supposed to exercise Bahira, and Bahira means we well, make well, a decision. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. <coughs> yeah, but he's just trying to get you to believe that, you know, and however he can affect the mind. Is there you know? a simple Makar for that? Which? That statement. That, that his goal is to think that you exist. You mean independent of God? Yeah. Well, well, in many ways, it's the Chet of Adam. The Chet of Adam, you know, he, says, he said that you will be like God, right? So, therefore, they clearly want to be like God. I mean, you know, that's what everybody wants. And therefore, if you want to be like God, besides God, there's you. <coughs> because you can be like him. <coughs> that was the initial argument, and so on. And, and of course... Um, but he himself was guilty of the same sin. So Who? Yeah. Because he wanted to marry Chava, because... Yeah, well, marry her. Was well, he's not, he's not interested in marriage, you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he wanted to live with her, sure, of course. He did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. That, that's what all the... Uh, yeah. yeah, sure, that's, that, that's what he did, and so on, you know. That's probably another shul and so on. That was what? That's probably another shul and so on. What do they know what that means? What, that he lived with her? Yeah. You mean a snake? No, I mean... Well, Obviously, that it's, it's <coughs> to someone who knows what. Yeah, so, it, it, look, it doesn't mean he wanted to marry her, you know, and so on. He wanted to influence her, Zoyama. So he was able to project his Zoyama into this woman. He wanted to be able to control her. That's what he wanted. And that's, so Zoyama entered her, and that's called marriage. Therefore, she became a Nida. Because the Gematri of Zoyama is Nida. Nida is really a woman that has Zoyama. And she became influenced with his ideas. Well, yeah, then once he enters her in whatever way the Sultan can do that, then he can influence her to sin. But she didn't become a Nida because as an Onish? That was an Onish, yeah. No, I'm just saying, so... You mean at that point she accepted, then yeah. he had the Zohar after That's right, yeah. So uh, in many ways, uh, that's the key concept. Uh, because that's what Shema Yisrael Hashem and Hashem means. He's one. So obviously, and it says aid, you testify to that. So therefore, the Sultan, what does Sultan want to do? He wants you to testify the reverse. So, so, Acher, that there so is somebody really else. That moved it what? Was, it, it wasn't really Taiva that moved Satan. It wasn't legal to him. It was Gaiva. He wanted to control her. Yeah, it is not a control. Yes. Gaiva, yeah, he's not, yeah, no, because it's, yeah, it's not Taiva. The Satan oh, has no Taiva. The Satan. Taiva for Gaiva, in a sense. The Taiva is for power. Right. That's his. His Yetzirah, if you can you say that, right, is power. It's not Taiva. It's power. And once she sinned, means he entered her through Zoyama and he's able to get her to do that's why you know then she went over to Adam to try to get him to sin it's control yeah in the end what what, what's the greatest display of being is power power that's why Dumanshim is a Kol Yochel he's he's an omnipotent that's the greatest type of being that we understand is he can do anything he has ultimate power that's where everything is. That's what the whole Washington is about. Actually, Washington is about money, fame, power. That's what all these guys are into. They all want to be powerful, you know? And why does he want to be powerful? What does power give a man? Why does everybody want to be powerful? The illusion of being God. Independence. What? The illusion of omnipotence. The illusion of omnipotence. No, independence. That's no, no. What does power give a guy? It's interesting. You know? Resistance. <coughs> what he's saying is, is on the way, but 
you have to say it better. What, why does everybody want to conquer everybody else? Conquest. You ever think about that? Come on, stay in your own property. What do you have to take my property for, you know? Because of power. But what does power give a guy? The greatest need of humans. What that is? <coughs> Who? Proof of existence. Self that I am. That's what it is. Self-worth, actually. They want to confirm that they are, that I am. And the greatest way to do that is if I can control you guys. You know? That's what it is. Power gives a person a sense of self. And our problem is we're walking around without a sense of self. We're always walking around in a state of inferiority at a deep level. So we're always trying to compensate the feeling of inferiority. And one of the ways of compensating is power, control. You see? That's the bottom line of Allah. It's, you always have to affirm self. That's the bottom line of everything you do. I once, I once spoke about that, didn't I? I gave a shit about that. Where do you get a sense of power? Where does a person get a sense of self? I once spoke about that. You know, very interesting. Torah says, by the way, where you get it. You know, but, but in, in Washington, it's all about power. Because then they feel that somebody's. It's also about money, because then they can enjoy life. And it's about fame, because if you're famous, right, you also feel important. If you're famous, then you feel important. And if you feel important, you feel like a somebody. But also... If you're famous and you have money, then you feel like somebody. Then you feel like somebody, yeah, you know? Yeah, that, 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 you should know, that's the sickness. <clears throat> that's the sickness. I don't know if I would the sickness. It's the, def the, def the defect of man. That he always feels inferior, and he's always seeking to have power, or he's always seeking to affirm or confirm that he's somebody. And power. It's really trying to affirm an existence that he doesn't really have. Yeah. Well, you, now you're looking into the origin. Why does he feel inferior? You know, that's well, that's not, a. Not, not enough existence. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that. You, oh yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Why do we talk Lashonara? Yeah, there's a lot of reasons why, but one of them is that if I talk, if I badmouth him, that means I'm better than him. So I'm better than him, I exist also, yeah, I am. I boost my sense of worth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, um, most of man's acts, in fact, if not all of them, is always about being somebody. You know, you need to, you need to confirm self. Very important word. Taiva? It's well, taiva is a pleasure, but when you engage in taiva, you feel self, don't you? You don't, you don't, you don't do taiva. You do taiva because there's an there's well, a yitzhara. But but when I do the taiva, when you are doing something, you feel like self. It's also boosting, boosting. Yeah, and then the trick is to realize that you may feel like self, but it's still enoid mavado. You see, it's. So, so he wants you to get taiva, so you can feel like you do. You feel like self because I am eating. But if I am eating and I'm enjoying it, I must be somebody. I must exist independent of God. But it always boils down, you know, to the fact of Enoid Mavadoy. He wants you to think that you exist independent of God. You see, and and the way we and the way and the bridge to that is concept of to confirm or affirm self. And the way to affirm and confirm self is power. There's many, many other ways.
power money. Money is one of the greatest ways of feeling that somebody. Yeah, it also enables you to spend, but it's one of the greatest ways to feel that somebody. You see? It's a lot of subtle ideas and, and so on, you know, but now you recognize who you're dealing with and what is the, what's called, what is the, the issue here? What do you believe about who you are? Because I can have a sense of self. I mean, I have a sense of self, right? But I realize that what? That it's given to me, that God created me, you know, and, and so on. So therefore, okay, so I have self. But that doesn't mean yesh ed mavadoi. But once you feel like self, then follows that yesh ed mavadoi. You see, it's a very subtle shift. And that's what the Sutton wants to do, you see. Is and he's it, pretty good at it, I have when, to tell you this, that. When these ideas are clear... What? When these ideas are clear... When yeah, these ideas... When these ideas are clear... Which ideas? No, these, we just... Oh, uh, okay, yeah. It seems to be, I mean, is it possible to deal with them, to do some thinking without mitzvahs in a sense? So let's say some people, <coughs> they, they have no concept of mitzvahs, but they study these ideas, and they try to deal with it, but without me, I mean, how do mitzvahs fall in the picture in the sense that you can't get away without mitzvahs? I mean, how, yeah, that he's gonna he's gonna get further further down the line with mitzvahs, you know, and so on, you know. But is it necessary? I mean, I mean, what you're really asking is why can't a guy say, "Listen, listen, God, listen up, right? I believe that you're the only thing that exists, exactly. okay? And now, and I admit that, I acknowledge, I recognize, and I believe that you're the only thing that exists." And I am just kind of a figment of your imagination, an afterthought, or whatever the nature of my existence is. Right? Wait, 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 wait. Okay, okay, God. You and I will now part ways, and I can have a great life. Right? Let me go make a living. Let me go make a living. <laughs> yeah, what do I have to do mitzvahs for? You know? Right. Well, every step of the way, they'd like to be punished. Because the request... I don't think because, I, I, I'll just answer this, because we've got to stop it, you know, go on forever, you know. Because if you say that, even if you believe it, right, and now you say, okay, now I want to do what I want to do, that itself means that you think you exist because you are now entitled to do whatever you want to do. <laughs> so... It's called an oxymoron. You just said that you're the one that is, right? And now let me do what I want to do, but wait a minute. And now I believe that I am, because that's why I can do what I want to do. But you have to say, well, what do you want me to do? Because only your will... Words, if I say that you're the only one that exists, that means your will is the only one that exists. So what am I doing running away and going having, you know, doing what I want to do? Hefkevelt, uh, you know, pre soil or just overthrow the yoke. You see? In other words... The fact that he said, I want you to do mitzvahs itself means that you have to do the mitzvahs because if you don't, then you are declaring, I don't have to do it. Forget about what you say. What demonstrates your belief is your acts. And his, what God says, I want you to believe that I'm the only one, therefore that's my will. I want you to do mitzvahs. So without know? mitzvahs, it's impossible to leave the state, I want to do what I want to do. Basically, yeah. Matter, yeah, yeah. You can do hard. Yeah, you know, that's why Judaism is a religion of action, not of, uh, you know, not of, uh, it's a religion of action which demonstrates belief as opposed to belief and then you do what you want, you know. Okay, I think we've, uh, have enough mind-wringing tonight.
Så alltså, man, ja, men det är ju 